Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. We're doing a series in the Book of Proverbs at the moment, and uh, this is the most practical series we've ever done because this is the most practical book in the Bible, and today we get to look at the subject of generosity. Now, there are occasions, rare occasions maybe, but there are occasions where a simple act of generosity really can change somebody's life. And Philip and I have been the beneficiaries of that sort of act. 25 years ago, we had decided to start trying for a family, and it had proved to be rather more tricky than we had expected. Tricky in that we lost our first two children in the early period of pregnancy. Consequently, when we, or when Philippa became pregnant uh, again, it wasn't simply celebration. Celebration there was, but there was also, if I'm honest with you, a sense of nervousness and a sense of super vigilance, for we knew now the warning signs. We knew what an emergency looked like, and we were praying and trusting, but didn't know how that was going to work out. There was then one Saturday afternoon which was particularly stressful for Philippa. She was working at the time with people in great need and one of those people was straddled atop an open window on a third floor of a building threatening to throw herself out. Not only was she threatening to throw herself out but there was also a wedding going on in that building and the bridal procession was due to emerge from the building to the very point where the person who was threatening to throw themselves out was seated. Now, actually, the two, uh, the two events weren't connected um, uh, in any way, uh, but you can imagine there were all, at all sorts of multiple levels, there was lots of stress going on. Along with that stress, the emergency signs started kicking in, and we realized that our child uh, was at threat. I had wondered about calling our very good friend and team leader at the time of the church that we were part of, but I'd hesitated from doing so because I knew how busy he had been these last three months. I knew that he was really looking forward to a weekend with his family and that it would do him good. But I couldn't think of what else to do, so I called him. The conversation actually lasted about a minute and a half before he said, I'm going to come right round. He did just that. He came round, he walked through the door, he took one look at the two of us, He went over to Philippa, he laid hands on her, and he prayed for her with real authority. The warning signs abated, and we knew that our child was safe. Not only that, but he said to Philippa, you are relieved from all responsibility for the rest of the weekend. I will take care of this situation, despite, of course, all the other things he should should have been doing. I will take care of this situation. You have nothing else to worry about. It was, an inc- it was a little, in the greater scheme of things, act of generosity. It was a huge act of generosity for us. And one at the time we were profoundly grateful for, 25 years later, we are all the more grateful because we are now have this young man who is the one who David's prayers intervened and saved. That is Edward, who is, unsurprisingly, 25. I preached this. I say that because I preached this the other night at the East service. And I got to that point and I said, and this is, and they got the wrong slide deck. And this is the former England cricket captain, Alistair Cook, (laughs) age 32. So 
one way to derail a preacher early on. But this is my son, our son, and uh, we love him very dearly and we're very grateful uh, to uh, David as well as, of course, to God uh, for that moment. Generosity is an incredible thing. Generosity is when you go out of your way to give something which no one expects you to give and costs you something. So generosity is not being kind or loving when that is expected of you. And there may be situations like that. Generosity is when it's not expected. But somebody reaches out with love, kindness, and gives you something at cost to themselves, which you have no other way of getting. It's a really wonderful thing. And my prayer is that as a result of this sermon, there will be more generosity in the central service. I'm ready to receive. (laughs) That all of us would be those that give generosity, and there'd be more generosity not only in this community, but of course in every community that that we're representatives of across the city. And Proverbs is full of verses on generosity. You'll see the uh, list here. There's actually another one, which is the one we're going to alight on uh, in a few minutes. Um, But there's many different encouragements to generosity. Generosity, your generosity, can change somebody's life. Not only that, but generosity, your generosity, might well be able to bring healing in somebody's life. Uh, A while ago, I got an email Uh, like no email I'd ever had before. Uh, The background is that the person sending the email and I have a mutual friend who has long-term back trouble and this person uh, who'd been soldiering on in a lot of pain for a long time really needed an operation. Here's the email I get. Dear David, would it be possible for you to facilitate me giving an anonymous gift to friend with back problem? Could I transfer £500 to your account to transfer onto her? I thought, how cool. I get to be the broker. I get to be the one who receives something which isn't mine and then pass it on. So I, I say, yes, of course, and I write an email to our friend explaining what's happened, and here's the response that I got. Please could you pass on my deepest thanks to whomever it was that's been so kind. I'm so grateful and quite emotional over this kindness. I looked into paying for the procedure and the cost was two and a half thousand pounds. No way we can afford it, but we're praying for God to provide. I've been signed off work for four weeks and they're being pretty and they're being very awkward about it. I'm in a lot of pain and have been waiting for over on the waiting list for over 28 weeks now. Kinda feeling desperate. So great to have been involved but we still have a challenge on our hands. I am then having lunch with friends about a week later. And whilst we're talking, and these friends all know back problem person. (laughs) So we're having lunch, and I say, hey, I had the most amazing email the other day. It was just so much fun to get it. And I told them about it, and then I told them about the response. And they sort of looked around the table. And the first person said, well, I could help out. And we literally went round. Everyone said, I mean, £2,000 is a lot of money, but when a whole load of people get involved, it's not so much money. And we just literally went round. Everyone said, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Let's keep it anonymous. David, you be the broker. (laughs) So that's what happened. Here's the response that I got this time. Oh, my goodness. Don't really know what to say. 
And I wish you could see the grin on my face right now. God has been so good to me. Wow. Please say that I am, caps, so grateful and humbled to whomever it may be. I don't feel like I deserve this kindness, but I will grab it with both hands and thank God for it. Operation has now happened to update you. Significant, very significant improvement as a result. Isn't that fantastic? Now, we all know that there is pain in our world, not just on the news, but in your family and your friendship circles and in my family and in my friendship circles. Where might a small amount of your generosity bring healing to the hearts of others who are currently in pain? It's a wonderful thing, generosity. One more thing, it changes lives, it brings healing. It also opens doors for people who can't open them themselves. You may not be aware of this, but you are the other side of doors that people would long to go through. And your opportunity is you can open the door. Let me give you an example and then we'll come back to this and I'll explain a little more. Years ago now, as an undergraduate, I went to a conference, a Christian conference, where on the, on the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the team, who were from another nation, were simply amazing. Or I should say, the results of their prayers were amazing. I'd never seen anything like it. When they prayed for those that were agitated or, or affected in their spirit in a, in a negative way, you, know, you could see the peace that came on them. When people asked to be filled with the Spirit and got prayer, they got filled with the Spirit, evidently. When people were prayed for for healing, more often than not, they got better. Now, this was not my experience. And I was like, I have got to have some of that. I was like, I would love to pray for people in that sort of way. So I went to the leader of the conference. I said, I graduate soon. And it's like, oh... Good graduates, maybe. I had no plans. <laughs> I went to him and I said, I would love to come out to your church. How do I go about it? And to my amazement, he took his wallet out of his back pocket, got a card out. He said, we would love to have you come any time. Now, the reality is that that man's generosity changed my life profoundly. On different times and different occasions, I've lived in his home, Philip and I had a month in in his family home together. He's put me on stages and conferences across the states that I would never have spoken at. He's introduced me to people that I have never met who left a profound mark on my life, some of whom are still friends to this very day. I drank in his teaching and his perspectives and his wisdom uh, for, many, for many years to come. He was the other side of a door that I wanted to get through and he took a card out of his pocket and he said, come. And I was able to go through. You can be a door opener. Firstly, there are people that would love to be in your friendship circle who are not at the moment. The experts say people come to church for all sorts of reasons. I had somebody come to me the other week. He's just moved to London as a comms director for an organization. I said, why have you come? He said, your website. He said, it was the best, web, best church website I've seen. 
So I told Joel Wade, who put it together, and said, well done. <laughs> and it's been great to have him along these last couple of weeks. But the experts say websites will bring people to church, but they don't keep them at church. Do you know what keeps people at church? Friends. People come to church for all sorts of reasons, but stay for only one. Friends. People come to church for all sorts of reasons, but stay for only one. People who open doors and welcome them into their friendship circles. Now you may say, but I like my friendship circle. And if I have somebody else in it, it might spoil it. Well, you might spoil it if you have that sort of attitude. <laughs> you know what Jesus says? You want more of what you've got? Give it away. Open up. Open the door. Some of us, all of the great majority of us here have a relationship with Jesus. There are people who want that relationship but are the other side of the door right now. Andy Tilsley, I was talking to you this week, he said the most exciting thing happening in Sutton at the moment is all the people on our Alpha course. And some of them have come through friends and their friends have redesigned their week so that they can come along. They were doing something on Wednesday mornings. It was convenient for them. It was good for their children. And they've changed it so that they can help somebody through a door. And then they've had them for supper on Friday night or Saturday night or whenever. Not because it was convenient, because they know that people come to church for all sorts of reasons, but stay for only one. I think that was friends. <laughs> so you are the other side of doors. You're the other side of friendship doors, of a relationship with Jesus. Numbers of you here actually in this room are also the other side of professional doors that others would long to get to. It's been a young lady by the age of 18 who's done an internship in two organizations in London this week. Philip and I met her when we were on holiday in the north of England this summer. She happened to actually wait uh, on us at a restaurant that we were in and we got chatting to her. What do you do? Well, I'm just doing my A-levels. Uh, I've just finished my A-levels and I'm hoping to go to university and I want to do this degree. Oh, and we got chatting about it. All what work experience. Oh, I haven't got any work experience in those areas. Well, we were able to open a door. So we said, well, if you like, we could arrange some. So she's been down this week and she's had work experience. Now, many of us, whether it's work experience or whatever, are the other side of doors people would long to go through. Now, what the scriptures teach us is that privilege is not about accruing more privilege. Privilege is to be used to serve others. Generosity is an incredible thing. It can change people's lives. It can bring healing. It can open doors for life in life-changing ways. Be generous is essentially what the Proverbs is calling us to do. Not only that, but maybe unsurprisingly, generosity is good for us. There's been lots of academic research done on generosity recently. Here's what it's concluded. If you're generous, you will live longer with better health. If you're generous, you will have increased confidence, more optimism, and it will combat depression in your life. Be generous. And the proverb says, 11.25, Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see the 
counterintuitive nature of that. If I refresh others, I might get home tired. But no, the reality is, if I preach four times on a Sunday, which has not been unusual, I get home physically tired. But if I know it's been a blessing to others, my spirit is alive and strong. And if it's gone well, (laughs) if it's gone well, I wake up on a Monday morning and I'm, yes, I got to give. Those that refresh others will be refreshed. In fact, it doesn't seem to be an accident that the word miserly is related to the word miserable. If you keep everything to yourself, you are much more likely to end up unhappy than if you're liberal with the things that you have in your life. And I think generosity here is particularly important. Like, you know, I've, I've told some inspiring stories, at least I hope you found them inspiring, to be generous. And then the... Science says it's good for us, but there's something much more important here, which is that right at the heart of the universe, the most fundamental reality in the universe, which is God himself, we find that God himself is generous. The Christian God is like no other. He is three distinct persons and one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you look at the heart of that relationship of these three persons, you find, guess what? They are generous. So we're told that the father gives, loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. The father didn't say to the son, go on your mission and do as well as you can. He said, go and here's everything I've got. The son goes not to make a name for himself, but to glorify the father. The spirit then who is sent is there to glorify the son. So they're all busy trying to be out generous to one another. There's just generosity everywhere you look at the heart of the universe. Now, if we had time, we could also look at how there's joy in each of those relationships. So right at the heart of reality, at the center of everything that's been revealed, is joy and generosity. So it's not surprising this is so important for all of us. And then we find that at the heart of God's mission is more generosity. For God so loved you, me, our friends and the world that he gave his only son. It's generosity again. This is why it is so important. This isn't why, oh, well, you know, self-discipline, then wisdom and now generosity. Now, this is right at the center of life. And if we're going to reflect God to those around us, guess what? We have to be generous. It's what the early church were. Rodney Stark, at the time a skeptical sociologist, decided to study the growth of the church in the four centuries, first four centuries. How could this minority sect have overturned the whole world and overturned the Roman deities and the Greek deities and become the religion of the, of the Western world. How did that happen? And in a sentence, the answer is they were generous. When plagues came on cities in the second century, the rich, of course, left because they could, but the poor stayed and so did the Christians. And they stayed in order to nurse those that were sick. It was the Christians who tore the rubbish dumps and picked off the unwanted babies, typically baby girls and took them into their homes and cared for them and raised them. 
It was the Christians who said it is no good for education simply to be for the elite. You will never build a prosperous, caring society that way. It is for everyone. So let's start schools. And so Christianity changed the world because of the generosity of the church, reflecting the generosity of the Trinitarian God. So the question upon us is how then can we live with that generosity? And there is, you see, a specifically Christian type of generosity. Let me just explain the two. Everyday generosity depends on what you've got for what you can give. I hope it's not too near to lunchtime for you to imagine a pizza here at the front. I've just cut it into eight slices. Eight of you can get it. Once it's gone, there is no more. Generosity in broader society is largely looked for from philanthropists because they've got a lot. Paul says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be generous in every situation. How so? There's two things that make for distinctly Christian generosity, which doesn't rely on what you've got, but actually relies on Christ who strengthens me. There's a way that Christ strengthens us, which means we can find ways of being generous in every situation. The first is, by reminding ourselves of what he has done for us. We've hinted at this already. He who was rich, he had all of heaven. When you've got all of heaven, you don't need anything else. And he left it all behind in order to be poor in the ancient, or in the, far, in the, in the Middle East, as a carpenter, a vulnerable child. He who was rich with all things became vulnerable and had nothing. He's chased out of town and they're trying to murder him by the time he's two that we might become rich. Extraordinary. It is the most extraordinary radical act of generosity that this world has ever seen. And it is the Christian story of Jesus' love for us. Now, stand under the shower of that love and you will become generous. When you think on it, meditate on it, stand and worship because of it, and we'll break bread before we're done. I'm not going to go on too much longer. We're going to break bread together. We're going to remember the cross, rich, becoming poor, that poor, that we who are poor might become rich, and we're going to stand in the shower of his love. And as you do that, and you remember, he's been generous to me, generosity comes. But the other important thing is not only does, has he been generous, but that his resources are limitless. Brothers and sisters, his resources are limitless. When the psalmist wrote and said, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, it might not mean much driving cars in our urban landscape. But when he wrote to farmers who depended on their cattle, this was very good news indeed. He has all that we need. Bear this in mind, and I just want to give you a few examples of where the scriptures lead us to generosity. And we'll come back to this. Cattle of a thousand hills, everything you need. So then, where should we be generous? Well, the Good Samaritan teaches us to be generous with our time. 
Surveys that have been done. What would you rather give to your favorite charity? Money or time? Answer for the Londoner, money, because I haven't got any time. It's an incredible thing to be generous with your time in this city, because we don't, no one has much. Generous in mending broken family relationships. The great majority of us in this room will have broken family relationships. At least one in our wider family will be broken. One of the most effective ways of healing it is generosity of spirit. Sometimes that's all it takes to stop the chain of, uh, of self-defense. Is someone saying, I'm going to be bigger, and rather than telling you what you owe me, I'm going to give you what you don't owe me and what you don't deserve. I mean, think of Joseph. He had been sold into slavery by his brothers. So he had no reason at all when in Egypt he became rich. He had no reason at all to be kind to them. Every part of human instinct would have sort of said, look what I've got, and you're not having any. And yet he broke the chain of family brokenness by saying, it's all yours. And the whole family moved to Egypt and were restored as a result. Generosity of family relationships. Generosity with your home or your physical, the things, the material things that you have. First century prisons were not nice places to be. So when Paul wrote to Philemon and said, prepare your guest room for I am coming soon. I can only imagine that Paul was dreaming of crisp white sheets and deep pile carpet, which is certainly what he didn't have in his jail in Ephesus. And even, of course, your very life. There is no talk in the Gospels of Jesus trying to think, how can I make my mark? What sort of life do I need to live that I will be fulfilled? He just says, I'm here to seek, save, and serve. So his very life was one of service, not one of gain as a result. So whatever it is and wherever it is that the Spirit might prompt you to be generous this morning, whether it is with your time, your family relationships, your home, or even your very life, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. He has all the resources you need. Don't count the pieces of pizza, but go to him who has everything. And then we do it by trust. I give of my time trusting that there will be more time. I give of my finance, trusting that there will be more. It is the distinctly Christian way of generosity, which is the way that has turned the world upside down. One final point, so come into land. And I want to apply this particularly to us as a church family at this point in time. And, therefore, and I want to apply it in terms of finance. Now, if you're visiting here, you can take five minutes out if you want at this point in time. I want to talk particularly to the church family. And for those of you that were away on the retreat with us at the end of August, you heard just a little bit of this. But I want to remind us, starting or now running five services in five locations on a Sunday is unsurprisingly more expensive than running services in one location here. And so over the last two years, our costs have gone up 
And at the same time, over the last 12 months, a number of our most generous givers have, for all sorts of reasons, moved on to other places. So costs have gone up and income has gone down. So at the uh, end of our last financial year, at the end of July, we were about 115,000 down on approximately a 1.5 million pound budget, seven or eight percent. Now, as a result of that, this, we, the church, church, the organization, have said, okay, we need to think about how we can reduce our costs. And we've done that by not replacing staff when they've left us, so our staff is smaller now, and those that are there are working smarter and at times harder. We have reduced our office space by two-thirds and moved to a model that involves a lot more flexible homeworking for our staff team. We've scrutinized everything that we're doing and ensured that we're only expending money on mission-critical items, and we've made a number of operational changes uh, to cut costs as well. So that, we felt, was an important first step. So that's what church, the organization, has done. Now, how about church, the people? What is our response? Well, our response is clearly an opportunity to exercise generosity. And because of the very fast turnover of people in London life, the base, the broad base of our support, if you like, the people, the pillars of the church, has reduced. And so this is an invitation to us all, but maybe particularly for people who've joined in recent years, to think about what should my contribution be. We want to invite you to do that. For some, it is to start giving. For others of us, it may be that God has particularly blessed us in recent years, and it's time for us to step into the shoes of a few of those unusually generous givers with the gift of generosity who have moved on recently. Either way, as we come into land, maybe the band could come back, please. Either way, here's what I'm asking. Would, I, would we all consider generosity and would we consider it in terms of our finance? If you do not give regularly and this is your church family, you should. There's absolutely no question about it. The Bible's really, really clear that to grow as a disciple involves that. It's also really clear that the amount is not the issue. The widow gave her might. The wealthy man gives something very different. God's really only interested in the heart. He's not bothered in the amount. But it's a call for all to give. Our conviction is that we should be aiming and we should be giving at 10%. Well, that's really a starting point, regular and generous giving. And there's talks on the website and there's articles on the website which you can look at and we'll probably do some detailed teaching on this early next year. That's been our practice for years. Many people here are practiced for years. Now, maybe for you, you think, I need to take the next step towards that. Or I need to start doing that. Whatever it is, our generosity, including our giving, should be that which requires us to live by faith. Do you remember me saying, I give of my time and I trust God for the time? Well, it's the same in every area of life. That's what's distinctively Christian. Because God is involved in this process and gives as well. Now, our time is gone. I'm keen that we have communion and we worship together. But I want to encourage us all. I want to encourage us in terms of generosity. And I want to encourage us in terms of giving particularly. Let me just finish finally with this one last story. The other day I was having coffee with Krish Kandaya. He's part of our Council of Reference. A remarkable man doing remarkable work. We're in Starbucks. 
Somebody comes over to say hi. I introduced them to Krish as the first person we ever spoke to when we moved to London. That was many years, 15 years ago now, but I still remember clearly. because so I remember the chaos of our first day of move, trying to get all our furniture. We'd downsized by a third to move to London, so we had way too much furniture, chaos everywhere, kids saying, when are we going to eat? Nobody seemed to have any decent answers to that question. Just, you know, fractious and, you know, I'm sure that never happens in your family, but, you know. And then there was a knock at the door. And it was Sarah, and in fact, shortly Sarah's husband, Tom, was going to start working with Philippa. And she said, I just thought I'd pop around, and she had a hamper full of goodies. Some of them so good that I'd never even seen them before. As well as all the items you'd need to cook supper for the five of us in about 20 minutes, really, really simply. She didn't need to do it. No one expected her to do it, but I have never forgotten it. And it was 15 years ago. That is the power of generosity. That is what, in different terms, Christ has done for us and the way that we can live for others. Let's stand together, shall we? Here's what we're going to do. Uh, Doug and Lucy are going to lead us in a song and whilst we sing that song the bread and the wine will come around and I'd like I'd invite you if you want to partake in communion and if for you it's an opening you can do that with opening your heart to Jesus and taking a step towards him you're most welcome to do that with us this morning Uh, the bread and the wine will come around take it hold it but do not consume it and uh, Joe is going to come back in a minute and she will lead us through communion but my encouragement is that as we do that bathe in the generous love of God and allow the spirit to speak to you and to prompt you as to how you are to be generous how we are to be generous in response